mode of water, moves and sticks within and for itself, and as it's all around in the air and in the ground, and in its purity is non-reactive to the ironic core of our planet, or perhaps is very justly the stickiness which is hugely gravimetrical as tons and tons of immeasurable balance both pushing and pulling away, as our life does on these surfaces. The mood is a continuation of a flow of ideas, from the onset offset offshore shoring of its placement, drawn up likely just after a globule of immense cohesion first placed from where nearby likely is the likely and likening symmetrical force of the forceries of metal, or perhaps then rock or the trillions of particles and particulars of dirt and the many sands which were to be formed by its thrashing and absorption of vitality for the oceans and its creatures which were then made into bones and fins to swim about and be about the very place which is life. Blood is a funny substance, sometimes warm and often cold, both providing for the creature and both containing the metals from the very undersurfaced earth. The cold has a very self and signaling duty for the non-observation of itself, as protective is life, towards a being which ne'er protects others but is still serving in the facts of life and thus still available for life to continue justly. Our fish and our snake, both opposite sides of the planet course such a blood and seek themselves a warmth of the provider of others, however ironic in these cases which the provider is providing their very lives, including towards each other for the further unfortunate yet pathways justified ecosystem of the unbalanced or perhaps rebalancing of this bit of chaos. As mentioned earlier, which are additionals to chances not discovered initially and thoroughly enough that a creature's start to encode their messages justly for the equilibrium as designed for them, and so they carry on, and we do. The warmth, of this blood, provides for and about and furthering our previous hero, our caterpillar, whose lifetime has been discussed and enjoyed as he and she in fact did their entirety of life and living and carry forward their warmth towards the like and likeness of their kind and in kind others for these processes of continuation of success which is the forward and backward and still forward thinking and behavior of any creature with a wit to match the planet from an onset and lives very natural way to carry on this motion. So back to water. Even in its purity, its electrons spin, and thus it finds its own environment, perhaps against a rock or a trough or a larger body with the sky above it. And I do believe it knows its surface. For the surface is where it changes, and surely even a simple electron knows about change, for that is its very nature, and so they spin in a line, and spin, and because they have the ability to see their proton as larger than life to itself, and the other particles within the atom are corollary to the largest portions, which in turn are turned by, consider them the feet like our caterpillar, the atom of water forms its body, as it is known, and this body enjoys electricity as any other and radios electrical, and warm bodies transmit electricity, and so the water's mood reflects, and reflect it as from the sky up for signal and down as well to the other creatures, and even to the electrons embedded in this body, and provides for it to be noticed and live and be consumed and move to the places it may find and be found as beauty in the what is needed and enjoyed, and as it's pouring over itself and these ideas, each electron continue to spin like a wheel motioning one another to be like and like and in like kind be kind towards those who are also so, and so, is its messaging to procreate, and by procreate I mean to maintain the natural messaging in those moments of electron alignment, and to be picked up and swallowed perhaps into the warmth, where its electrons are yet still more powered on, and as it moves, 
it carries with it the strong atomic forces of the water it's left behind, and carries on messaging from far away as to whether and weathered, this is the direction to travel for the benefit of life, for it is at its very center. And further the precipitation and cleansing of water to ensure that unliked messages are cleared and that things can begin again for our kind fluidity, in which the sediment is left to the earth and its creatures to notice and further organize a means to signal the lattices of creatures on the positivity which came out of such a precipitous moment, so to quite literally speak. Water of course, does spin around, and as we are always in between in one place or the other, this is also known as the opposite which attracts the ability to move at all, from north to south in fact, at the axis tilted, because otherwise the planet wouldn't spin at all, which is entire basis of life, this slight offset and spin, at an angle, which like a stripe of candy or more precisely the way one might turn and peel an apple or a potato, although in the opposite by means of applying and stripping and reapplying the what is just from the sun as we turn and our beings flock for heat and their behaviors create the need for water to be used and cleansed. It is known that water can do its will, by weather alone so strong that, while man, plant, animal and even mineral, have come in concert to produce such an event, be known that even a vastly apparent destructive force of the strong weathers of water, are made purely to further provide a sort of deployment of itself to further its duties to travel to the what is needed, if even for itself, for the needs of the summation and culmination of all of the rest, although apparent by mass and time, and thus unexpected and large, yet noticed to the point which is hopefully grappled with and planned for our heroes by perceptions future and abilities. Thus water is the ultimate in confidence, and is really only defeated as entrapped by a toxicity of fire plus material, which it spends its origins fighting against, for even far away it's heard its own sizzling screams of the near end to its atomics, and as some escape into vapor, and perhaps are further trapped and embedded with coal in the air, the lesson continues for our fair and just water, and just water plus what is required for life is what we in hence water agree to carry and the arrangements in the skies are like too, with senators as clouds to direct the battle onward and over to never be over, yet and over and over again. Dot. At these stages, with the planet turned inside out by our own ingenuity, and likeness to dig and dig and utilize what we find, and find how to utilize is now what we do, and everything must have a purpose. Despite our true belief that this purpose is to leave what one cannot use, but find and discover and discover for and for another we still do, and pipelines are built because we can use all the oil from one place, and without need we create a need, because it is so fast and so specifically where we found it that it must be gold, we think to ourselves with a greed perhaps, and in actuals because it is so toxic and locked away for reasons we may ne'er discover as it's been plundered and moved about so many times and ingested and fed to our fish, and soils, that water in these stages is locked up in its own cages as it were, and living has become a mockery for our said water, and even it may not be heard very far away, as its material time is spent spinning idly from a place without savior. Where water has saved all of us time and time again, the oil is so toxic that it cannot even be ingested as a lucky salad for a fellow, where at least the fats would agree and stay with this man for the lifetime of himself to get to another salad. And yet, while we have a lot of it, water, we have a lot of this crudity as well, 
and crude as we are to continue and carry it on and over to burn the skies and ground a bit more to get to places and behave like the mode of transport is our usual consumption, our cars become ourselves and our feet, very unlike and unlikened to our caterpillar, and creates for us all sorts of wrong signals and directions, where we need to utilize and fix the very signaling onto the vehicle which surely cannot signal him for itself, nor to the trillions of roadways we've trampled with the same petroleum which fuels us, onto the ground as asphalt, further trapping up water, even as it drops from the skies and is run over time and time again by the slicks of a slick exhaust, again bringing us to nowhere in particular, as is not know the quadrillions of useless messages and interception of said electrochemical messaging we impact and even our light travels to a supermarket, to pick up packaged goods, which in turn were shipped in this fashion. And the planet is cold for those who need it warm, and hot for those that need it temperate, and the water is unbalanced in favor of the favorable whose favors are to transport it with aqueducts and further in plastics and trucks and man-made lakes and the watering of lawns for the good looks of a suburban development designed to look good in the 1950s, and to further separate us from nature, and to provide an interior to an education to continue to do so, and even separate us from cities, while are as well asphalt in construction, at least have the oddity of diversity and diversion to spin oneself in the possibility of a direction to make a change. And in any event, as some have learned and settled, the eventfulness continues, and we slip pieces of paper through the mail to make our choices now, and don't rudimentarily encode them on a leaf, as we're in larger-than-life moments, and in these moments, our belief carries us far. And sadly as belief as an idea without success does not reach a narrow chemical ground encoding, only those who maintain themselves internally may continue for a time, as their materials allow them, without a survivability that is nature, which continues on, however poisoned the message we have created, and mockery of the signal which is meant both for us and for the all now incredible numbering and organization of instantaneousness to move even a slight bit to the left or right or in fact up and around as well and well understood and continues to be trodden, and our slight caterpillar is hopefully in range for a lifetime of lifetimes and we do, should know that's not enough, and to perpetuate, is simply that, it is ongoing and forever, and so we take this brief in-flight pause, to encourage you to find a direction to move slightly or gently or in kind kind of way to fiddle or faddle not and to, with each step find yourself in the parts which need to spin for others to find others and the monument is your daily activities to do so, and complex is what we've made it and staticity is what has provided our profound need and actual desire to change, and that grappling with the current of water is not likely to reckon well, as in a well, which is both buried and buries man who continue to put water in a bad mood. This has been and continues a continuation of life and living with the proximity of all things known to man in the minds and bodies as available in the retransmission of materials to the planets, spinning ever onwards towards our very likable sun, Aqua Q.
Alright, that was The Big Moon, Your Life. And today's playlist was handpicked by our special guest today, Evie Xavier, a fellow Rainbow sister and comedian, <laughs> and uh, we're going to be interviewing her today, so I'm excited to have her on. Let's uh, Let's bring her up. Hey, Phoebe. Hey, what's up, Greg? Oh, you know, just sitting in the Mission District doing this silly radio thing. Oh, yeah, you have to, like, actually go to the studio to do it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, during co during COVID, it was like uh, radio is essential, so it got to stay open. But because we, uh, like, for a while, it was only the people that were already here that were allowed to be here and a lot of the shows... Uh, people weren't coming in, but that's kind of how I started this show, was I was already, like, in a COVID bubble with Pam, so <laughs> we were just trying to keep the station full of content, and now the show started, so <laughs> I thought cool. it would be fun to kind of archive old Always Free. Oh, yeah, by the way, this is the Always Free podcast. I don't know if I told the audience that. <laughs> I knew that that was the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Working on those uh, intros. So, what's new with you, Phoebe? Um, so I have a job. Um, I was washing dishes, but now I am the hostess and hostess. Very busy. Yes. Well, they're lucky to have you. Yeah, I see. Um, some of the people think so. <laughs> Well, it's nice, uh, you know, you, you spent years on the road, so it's cool to hear that you're settling down. Oh my god, this is the first time I've been on a lease or, like, had a job with, like, taxes on it in, like, 14 years, maybe. Wow. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> You've avoided it that long. That's awesome. That's yeah, inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> it took, like, effort to get off the road. You're on the road long enough, and, like, this becomes the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah, it's just, that's your reality. That's life. <laughs> so, um, alright. I want to start just talking about Rainbow. I want to ask you a question. I ask a lot of the people on the show. What brought you to your first gathering? Um, so, do you count, like, um, Rainbow uh, Drum Circles as a gathering, or? Sure, if that's, a. Uh, in your heart, your first one, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's my first exposure to, like, people saying this is a rainbow thing or whatever. Yeah, well, um, that's what brought you, right? So, yeah, sounds like the correct yeah. answer to me. <laughs> um, so, in La Jolla, uh, San Diego, the Black Beach Drum Circle was probably the first rainbow event that I ever attended. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's, like, at the bottom of the cliff, but it's, it's almost like a two-mile hike. You're zigzagging back across the cliff. And um, then you're at the beach. There's no uh, road access to the beach, so the cops can't really roll up on you. And oh hundreds of people rage every moment. I think I've heard of that. I've never attended myself. How did you find out about it? Uh, I lived in San Diego for a couple of years on and off, and we just like eventually learned about all the biggest parties in town. Like you do, like one does. Well, <laughs> So at this drum circle, that's when you found out 
about this uh, rainbow thing. <laughs> sort of, yeah. This glorified potluck that we do in the woods. I didn't understand like what the hell rain- rainbow was or whatever, um, or why they were calling it that. And eventually, I met somebody who was passing out flyers for an Arizona uh, 420 gathering, I think. And um, so that was uh, my first introduction to the idea that this isn't just a Southern California thing. Like, we do it elsewhere. So what was your first gathering after that? I think probably the New Mexico Nationals in, I think, it's 2008. Or it might be 2009. Yeah, I think um, 2008 sounds about right. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Usually we have our rainbow encyclopedia around, but we don't have him today. <laughs> oh, yeah, where's Pittman? Oh, you know, just doing other stuff. I think he's working today. <laughs> it's the girl show today, right? It's me and my friend Phoebe. <laughs> um. How would you describe a rainbow gathering to someone who's never been? Um, uh, it's kind of like chaos, but also organization. Um, lots of good food. Probably good talk. Um, and some really nice people, some really crazy people. <laughs> probably some lameness walking around talking to me. <laughs> Don't talk about me like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, and the setting is like tends to be a national park. Um, usually very, very beautiful place. Sometimes not easily livable. I remember um, the Montana National, which is around when I met you, that it snowed on summer solstice. Oh, yeah, I was there. I made pancakes in the snow. And, like, a lot of people who are from places where it doesn't snow are, like, too cold to move. And I'm like, this is this snow bunny's time to shine. <laughs> like, <laughs> made coffee and pancakes. And they're like, y'all are pussies. <laughs> but it was, like, it's the first time in my life that I've ever experienced, hey, first day of summer, here's two inches of snow on the Oh, yeah. You know what was remarkable to me was I, I noticed that there was these flowers, and then after it snowed, the flowers were still there. And I just know, like, usually a frost will kill them. And I'm like, these are some resilient flowers. <laughs> Don't yeah, mind Montana the crazy, crazy Montana weather. Yeah, Montana is tough as shit. Yeah. I definitely, I woke up with my tent collapsed on me from the snow. It wasn't even my tent. It was a tent someone was letting the squad in because they were... <laughs> They were in town. <laughs> yep, I remember. Um, so wait, I camped up by um, Shining Light that year. I don't know if you were anywhere near. I actually was. I was in between Shining Light and uh, Magic uh, Bowl, Magic Bowl. Uh, they were calling it at that gathering. Okay. Yeah, I have an idea of where that was. Yeah. Well, I was kind of just floating around, but that's where the abandoned tent was. <laughs> I was squatting in. <laughs> <laughs> after I wasn't, uh, uh, after the cops found out people were in the um, cabin, I don't know who those people were in those cabins, but that's what they told me. And then I was like, "Oh shit, I need to find somewhere else to sleep." Not that I knew who was there. Um, I think there were there were like abandoned mines there. That yeah, yeah, I saw them. That's where I saw a bunch of undercover cops roll in. It was crazy. 
So I drove up into that that section of the forest once, and I had a huge rock thrown at me by a crazy dude who had like, I think he drove up with us from Boulder, and um, and yeah, he drove up with us from Boulder, and then he just like totally stood down on me and tried to throw a rock at my car. Like when I say rock, it's like a volleyball size rock. Whoa. Big hit. That's uh, taking the wing nuttery a step away from, a step further from talking to trees. <laughs> yes, yes. Throwing them. Um, Wait, that's not I how you stack rocks, Adam brother. I've <laughs> <laughs> never seen Adam come at a gathering after. Huh. Well, that's probably good then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So tell us about this project you've been working on. Um, oh, your okay. comic book? I'm here tonight to promote a Halloween anthology comic book called 13th Moon, and it is seven stories, 52 pages, a really, really cool team that has been working with me this whole year, and uh, we're trying to raise $2,400 on kickstarter.com. You can go to Kickstarter and look up 13th Moon Halloween Anthology. Um, kickstarter.com, look up Halloween Anthology. 13th Moon. Halloween anthology. Okay, 13th Moon Halloween yeah. Anthology. Kickstarter.com. And I think we were up to like $1,000 and $1,044 when I called you to put on. Awesome. So you yeah, still have a long like way to go. And we need to raise like $1,400. Okay. Uh. Can you give us a little uh, a little taste of what it's about? Get us interested? Oh my god, it is so much fun. Okay, so there's like four, like I said, um, seven different stories. And so some of them are four pages long, and I think three or four of them are four pages long. One of them is a single page long. Um, but the main story is the cover story, and it is about Lucy, who is one of the devil's daughters. She has been locked in hell for forever, and she's trying to find a way to escape. Teams up with this heavy metal band, and um, it's really, really good. Uh, she's a guitarist herself, and that one is actually a comedy book. Um, the the rest of the other six tales are more like horror, morbid kind of stories. But Lucy and the Doombringers, that cover story, is really, really funny. Um, and so okay, Chris McCauley who colored, I think, at least half of the book. Um, he is an Irishman who lives in Canada these days. He's probably the most um, experienced professional comic book uh, artist that I work with on the 123 Yield Publications team. He, he's done coloring for 2000 AD. He's done some coloring for Marvel. He's worked with, uh, what's his name, Todd McFarlane. He's definitely more experienced with um, the professional end of this industry than I am personally. But um, so he has a story that's called Dracula, Lord of the Future. And it is because Chris made an arrangement with, um, if I'm pronouncing this right, with Dothre, D-A-T-R-E, um, Stoker, who is the uh, heir to the Stoker estate, from what I understand. And so 
about um, the remaining of Bram Stoker's work and like negotiates probably movies and books or what whatever. Um, their their family is kind of right to some claim whenever someone's using Acura's name. Of course, negotiated contract with that guy because wow. apparently really cool. And our Dracula is canon for like Bram Stoker's Dracula. So, I mean, I know it's generations later, but, like, our Dracula is the Dracula. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Cool piece of um, history. <laughs> um, Bram, well, yeah, I didn't even know until Seth told me this, that Bram Stoker was an Irishman. And uh, I learned more about him from his, from his writing and his online stuff. Um, Stoker's also a mason and just, like, worked very, very hard and knows all sorts of weird shit that I would have never imagined. Is there a... A place that we can see some of his artwork, like online or something. Yeah, if you went to the Kickstarter, you could see that. Um, also, I think if you just googled him, maybe. Uh, I don't know where to. Um, on my Instagram has some of some of his. Um, a one two three go publications on my Instagram. One two three go publications, on yep. Instagram. Yep, that's me <laughs> and my friend. And I know some of his work, but um, I think only one Dracula comes up. So is it uh is it in bad form to ask you to give us a piece of the story, like read some of it, or would you rather just wait? So I'm actually just adding the letters to that one tonight. I was working on that while you and me were messaging about um the show. Oh. Oh, I'm excited to see how it turns out, for sure. That particular story I'm saying, I was doing the letters on. I have mostly other ones. Um, if I sent you a, something through the internet right now, could you post it somewhere? Uh, yeah, I could, I could post, I could post, uh, like a link to it on a, a Facebook post when I put up the show. Oh, all right. Maybe. Yeah, no, I could. I or could like right now. Promo <laughs> images and stuff. Cool. Um, How long yeah. have you been uh, writing comic books? Um, all right. So I probably first started when I was like ten, maybe. <laughs> and that comic book I did myself, and maybe did five pages of. Um, but then I didn't start doing it seriously again until like five years ago. What are what are your uh what what's one of your favorite comic books that you you've been working on other than the one you're working on now? Um okay, my favorite I think is Trouble. Um and it's like a comedy action one and she is in like 2450s and she is a retired marine who just wants to relax and work on her tan and because she her ex-boyfriend is a local police sergeant. She always gets called into um, cleaning up after his inability to stop this fire. Cool. <laughs> yeah, and the first five, and then it's five that she's in the main series that we're doing about is about her versus like these crazy giant robotic. How many? How many issues are there of that story so far? There, there will be five so far. Only the first one is out. And is that is that an ongoing project? Like um yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so we're working on issue two of that right now. 
and we have um, that's actually that one will have a story within a story in it. Uh, it is like she in the issue number two will be at a comic convention, and she picks up a copy of her favorite comic book, and then the next four pages are pages from within that comic book. So you're like with the comic in your hand, you're like her holding the comic book, very her meta. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and her um, her favorite comic book is called Okomura Sakino, and that um is purple. There's something like troublesome pur- purple or mischievous purple, and um in Japanese, Rihongo, uh, and uh so yeah, she's just this mischievous purple kitty, and she lives at a Zen temple, and it's kind of funny. Yeah, I like it. I think. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like fun. Thank you. Oh, I meant to ask. So is that Pam doing like the Bjork Breaker stuff up top? Yes, it is. Yeah, during our Breaker. It's good to hear her voice. She loves her Bjork impression. <laughs> she works it into her stand-up, but she thinks it doesn't work. But it's it all depends on who the audience is. <laughs> right. <laughs> and when no, no one and when no one laughs at it, she blames it on their age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're too well, young to understand that. <laughs> <laughs> I must have a few years of her. I'm closer to her than you. Yeah, she just had a birthday. She just had her birthday celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for if any of my friends are listening, um, I have done stand-up comedy with these ladies. And it's been yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was I was thinking about like uh, digging into the old uh, happy hours and trying to find which one that we were both on. <laughs> oh wait, here at the um here at Mutiny. At the... Yeah, no shit. Yeah, we did uh, like around this time last year, I think, or like around March last year, I think. Um, not last. I don't know. April. You know, COVID is really messing with my mind. <laughs> yeah, April no, twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. <laughs> Yes, it was April 2019. Happy hour. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking if if (laughs) like maybe I could play you out with the. I haven't found it yet, but I (laughs) we have access to it. They had a good set there, to be honest. Um, if I remember correctly, I don't think I remember. Well, it's easy to feel like you bomb here because the comedians don't really like react to other comedians and then most of the the audience is online listening you know i guess it prepares us for zoom shows in a way what were you saying and it is it's 12 comedians jammed in a tiny tiny room like there's no other audience yeah well now because of covid we've been doing outdoor shows the neighbors actually came and they um one of the neighbors asked us to do some kind of show like and you know, in the midst of the COVID, because they wanted entertainment, so we found a like a safe way to do it with like mic condoms, and if you, you know, you bring your own mic if you have it, and all the audience is just standing around on the street, far away from each other. And we didn't really promote it; it was just for the people in the neighborhood, you know. Right. So it uh it actually in a way the mics were a lot better because there was an actual audience and they wanted to be entertained and it was really cool because they would like uh they'll sit in their cars or like look through the window or sit on their porch 
So did anybody ever try the microphone approach during that point in COVID? What do you mean the microphone approach? Uh, I mean megaphone. Oh, megaphone. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Um, I think like if everyone has their own megaphone, a lot of outdoor open mics would be cool. Yeah, if everyone has it. Yeah, that makes sense. We, we've just been like, you know, because there has been like, you know, like I'm a swag hippie that um, does <laughs> still goes to open mics in the park now that they start. But we take precautions like uh, like mic covers and hand sanitizer. I found out spraying Lysol on the mic doesn't really work because you can't really hear the person <laughs> in the first few minutes. But, you know, some people bring their own. And like, you know, everyone's socially distant in the park. And like so, when you're using that microphone with the mic condom on, do you wear a mask too? I was. I, yeah, I do. I should say rather. And then you know, I have to make bits about wearing the mask because I'm wearing one. One person came up to me after the show, uh, here, and said, like, complimented, like he he has seen like most of my stuff because I was doing the show here a while, and he said that I had the ability to show expression even with my mask on and cap and like he re really didn't see that with many people but for me like you know it didn't matter that i was wearing a mask and i was like yeah, wow no. i didn't even think that people you know were no you know what i mean i didn't even think about like he said it was hard because you know people really need to see facial resp you know facial yeah, no, you gotta use your um your eyebrows and your your whole your whole forehead and a little bit of scrunch in your nose is a sign for something. Yeah. And yeah. Expression <laughs> is different with a mask on, for sure. Yeah, and especially because I wear glasses, so I start talking, and then my glasses fog up, and then I have to put it on the top of my face, and then I'm like, wow, wearing this mask is making me touch my face twice as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're also, like, talking about COVID, like, almost as of the past tense, but it's still COVID in 2000. Oh yeah, so it's still really real. I'm, you know, trying to keep up with, like, being, you know, the healthy, the health, uh, procedures of trying to safely still do share mics with people. But I feel like here in the Bay, at least, um, a lot of the comics that have still been doing open mics are just the same people. So in a way, we've like made our own COVID pod. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean I, I, you know, I still try to wear a mask and put con like. There's been different tactics. It's interesting. Like, um, people put plastic bags over. Uh, like I did an outdoor show where that was the procedure. Everyone grabbed their own plastic bag. You had to have a mask on, and then you can still hear people through the plastic bag. But some people need to learn to project. I think the they need to go to gatherings. So you make announcements in the woods. You learn how to raise your voice for. <laughs> for people. So the plastic bag is the mic condom in that sense? In that sense, yeah. And then plastic gloves and then actual, like, mic covers. That's what we hear have here at uh, Mutiny. Uh, somebody donated a bunch of mic covers, so everybody just, like, grabs their own one, you know. So we try not to do that. And if you – the smart thing is to bring your own mic. Like, I'm doing a show in Pacifica on Thursday, and that was a requirement. It was, like, you have mm. to have your own mic. And a lot of shows are, like – making people get COVID tested before they even come and, like, prove that. Um, what about, like, the asshole who sneezes in the audience, though? He didn't get COVID. What about the what in the audience? The asshole who's sneezing in the audience. I bet he didn't get COVID, though. 
Yeah, well, that's why we, everyone has to be socially distant that, um, uh, you know, watches the show. It's It's been yeah. really interesting to see, like, the ad- the adaptations that we've been doing. Like, there, there's a comedy club that just opened. Well, the grand opening is going to be soon, but they had some pre-shows in Alameda. And uh, they started building it before, you know, this pandemic, like, really took effect in, in the states, you know. And uh, so they had a re- more and more exploit who you are as a person in order to um, in order to relate to the masses, which is crazy because like or to interest the masses. And we're trying to interest the masses right now. Just to let you guys know, we're starting a new podcast. It's ten o'clock. Uh, hey, we're here with Bella Dillman, and looks like Sam Carroll's gonna go get a burrito or something. But I'm Pam Benjamin. We're hanging out. We're doing weird podcasty stuff. We're talking. We're hanging out in the stew. So yay! I just yay! To, we just started a new one, so I was like, "All right, we gotta give a demarcation of time and stuff." So yay! No, all of the things that we're talking about are really important, and people have to engage in actual conversations to move society forward because things are a problem. I've um, I'm trying to feel more like a I'm trying to use my wokeness on my Zoom calls with all my buddies in Jersey because they are fucking so racist. Do you know how racist people are on the East Coast? It's insane. I finally, this is the first time in my life that I've been like, wow, like as a woke Californian, I need to stop you in the middle of your story and talk about how you just said like four super racist things and we have to back up and start thinking about our language, bro. We can't. You, every person that, like, when they tell a story, talks about the color of somebody's skin, don't do it. Demarcate them in any other way. They're a millennial, they're young, they're poor, they're rich, they're whatever. But don't do it by the color of their skin, because one at a time, we can start rolling back this racist bullshit. I, and exactly, yeah. Uh, completely. Like, I, I understand that, too. Um... All this, all this, like, this, free speech radio is amazing, but I think it is, like, necessary to have a conversation, and sometimes, that's why we sometimes get into some, some... We've yelled at each other, and that's mm-hmm. fine. I think we've been yelling it's on a the dialogue. same side. It's a dialogue. No, we, we, yeah, we were yelling on we the same side just now, yeah. Side. And I shouldn't yell, and I feel like, oh, it makes me, my, and I've been taught that, so, uh, in my first year of poetry school... This mm-hmm. guy, Dan Langton, he might be dead now, but he was a beat poet. He was with all those guys. And I had a poetry class with him, and he was amazing. And he said, and this works for comedy too, he said, when you're doing a live reading and people aren't listening to you, your impetus is to go faster and be louder. And he said, no, go against that. Go slower and be softer. If yeah. you, If you... Cut it down. If the audience isn't listening, you want to go faster. You want to tell them like, no, listen to me, listen to me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And they're going to go get a drink and they're going to look at their phone and they're going to do whatever the fuck they're doing. But if you stop and go like silent and then whisper stuff, they're right back with you. And that was specifically with poetry, but I move that into comedy in the same way. It really, it works. It works. You have to let something sit. You do, because I have, I do also have the uh, inclination to always speed through my jokes and not let them sit, but I've gotten to a better Especially place where I feel lose, so... 
when the audience, when you mm-hmm. see them sort of go get a drink or start looking at their phone, you're like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. But look at me, look at me up here. Like, like, I'm the top. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm definitely, top. it's definitely a thing that and I always They're not going to go like. with the, I'm in back. They're going to go, if you start, go, hey, hey. I'm like, that's with parenting too. Hey, parents. Hey, parents, let's. Let's take a lesson from this. <laughs> Don't yell at your kids. Don't spank your kids. Because we fucking love those kids, right? And they're not going to listen if you're just yelling at them. I'm telling you, they're just going to want to rebel more. Uh, uh, this is a woman who took two education classes. Let's go. I know everything. I know everything. Well, I've, I have... Uh... I've tried to call people out on the bus for bad parenting, and it doesn't always work the way I hope it does. Uh, there was oh God, I tried to I tried to call my own mother and father out on bad parenting, and they were butthurt. Yeah, like man. I get it, I get it. Oh God, you're parenting me, and I'm the one that's like, oh God, you shouldn't do this. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like you are the one that, you, of course, you don't want. It. And I'm like, no, what? Uh, Power uh, struggle with I'm your telling on you, <laughs> I'm telling you, you shouldn't pinch your kids that hard. <laughs> like don't pinch them. Right. <laughs> Leave them alone. Well, They're chilling. <laughs> here's the thing. I, I've never shaken a baby, but I've shivered a baby. You know what oh I mean? My God. You, like have a baby and you're like, yeah. Why okay. are you not? Why are you crying? It's. I fed you. I fed you and you have a clean diaper. Pam. I'm not shaking a baby. I'm shivering just, a baby. It's, just, it's a shiver. Like a little slight it's a gesture. shiver. It's a, a shiver. gesture that you it's should be worried. Shiver. No, I. You you look at them in the face and you go, "What do you need?" That's that's why I get postpartum depression so much is because like, I I was a daycare worker and I took care of the care I took care of the baby so good. All the all the all the women there were like, "No, just let them cry." And I was like, "No, No. I'm going to be the fairy princess and I'm I'm going to take care of all these babies." babies." (laughs) At the same time, I'm going to take care of six babies. They're not going to cry. But there was this one baby who came in like in the middle of when I was working when I was working overtime every day like 12 hours a day 13th hour yeah yes. 13th at, like opening and closing this fucking daycare mm. doing both mm. and at that point he came in and he was eight months old mm. and he he wasn't socialized to the daycare thing he only knew his mom he only wanted his mom he's like i need a tit right now so yeah exactly and i had to he would cry every second of the day and so i would hold him cry I don't know. It does. It, I don't know if when they're know sleeping, about babies, mm-hmm. babies that are yeah, babies that are sleeping and that are happy, and then another baby cry. The they wake up and they're like, "I'm not happy. I just want to sleep." And what they're saying is, "Let me sleep. Let me sleep." That's all they're saying. And yeah. The baby's like, "I need. I need You can't get me. I'm, 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 I'm. It's awful. Yeah. And so at that point, that I was holding that baby and I was just like. I could crush a baby. <laughs> if I wanted to crush a baby, I could crush it. I didn't crush the baby, obviously. No, of course you crush the baby. Of course I didn't crush oh, the baby. baby. But postpartum depression is Sweet real because baby. sometimes you're just like, holy fucking Sweet shit, baby. this sucks. Oh, goodness. I, uh, there was a, I had a family that I nannied for, and they, their child was three months old, and they wanted to go on a vacation. 
and I had been with their baby and everything was fine. And they were like, we're going to be gone for 48 hours. And wow. Wow. It is. I am so glad I never birthed my own child. And I'm so glad that I get paid to hang out with small children. And it makes me crazy that moms aren't paid to hang out with small children because it is a real fucking job. It is actual hard labor. And that it isn't respected makes me like cringe that we have arguments about how women aren't respected right now in our current current gestalt when everybody demonizes single moms and that makes no sense because they are working so much harder they're a single mom that means they probably have a, two jobs and they're still taking care of their children. And then you're like, oh, we shouldn't give you money, you weirdo. Why are you take, taking money to fucking raise children, which is so hard? I don't know. And I'm just a nanny. I don't even have my own kids. I can't even imagine. I just try to love your kids as hard as you would love them. You love your own kids? I want to love your kid as much as you love your kid. Because you're paying me 20 bucks an hour. Of course I'm going to love your kid real hard. You're paying me to do it. I'm super down, bro. I will love your child. I love kids. I love cats. I love birds. And dogs are okay or whatever. Dogs are great. You just have to... uh, Pooping. Oh, so much pooping. Babies are great, but so much pooping, right? Like, wow. And here's the thing. Why can you throw baby poop away in, like, the regular garbage, but in the tenderloin when people shit into a clamshell, everybody gets all up in arms like, oh, they're shitting in the... Why are they throwing poop away in the... Are we not... Why is baby poop okay to throw away, but human... Are babies not humans? I don't know. No, yeah, I, I I get that. Um, there's there's like this whole like bio like when I was working at a daycare too, there was one kid who was who only had cloth diapers. Oh God! And we had to just scrape that shit out, yeah, dude. Into the like toilet, yeah, yeah. What do you do? You flush it down and then you stick it in a plastic. You bag can't you expect if you're at a daycare. If your kids at a daycare, you cannot expect those women. It's an organic are, daycare. Okay, who are mostly like Pakistani and Indian women who have not gotten like opportunities to do anything. Like w- one of my coworkers was a fucking engineer. Yeah, of course. Was a fucking engineer in Pakistan, and she she was like, when I quit, she was like, how much do you get paid? And I was like, nine fifty. And then she was like, I get paid seven dollars an hour. And I was like, I'm so much under, I'm so much more underqualified than you. Yeah. How the fuck are they paying you this, dog? Like, how the fuck are you paying? Well, that's so. That's the thing is that when the cheaper the labor, the more profit exists, and that's how America was built. Here's the thing I say all the time. Everyone's like, oh, how much do you love Abraham Lincoln? Oh, Abraham Lincoln, he freed the slaves and did all this stuff. Abraham Lincoln didn't free the slaves because he was a fucking humanitarian. He freed them because the people in the North were pissed at the people in the South because they're like, we can't make as much money because they have free labor. 
Yeah. They have free labor. They have slavery and they don't have to pay their workers. And we're up here trying to make a product and we have to pay our people actual money, even if they're indentured servants. And we've been trying to subjugate them for a long time, but they have fucking rights or whatever. And they just won't let because we wrote this thing about the Constitution. We're like, oh, people have rights. And like, oh, no, we got to respect their rights. And we don't and they don't have to respect these people's rights as rights. And they get free labor. Fuck them. And that's why Abraham Lincoln fucking freed the slaves. It was to placate all of the industry people in the North because yeah. they had to pay for I their mean, labor. I mean, it's kind of impossible. It, it is kind of impossible to believe that... Um, well, I mean, I guess there were abolitionists of the age and stuff like that. And like, they were I just humanitarians. Don't, uh, yeah. They were saying these people are people. But what I'm saying is that the politician of Abraham Lincoln did not free the slaves because he was a humanitarian, not because he was Frederick Douglass, not because he was fucking Harriet Tubman, not mm-hmm. for any of those reasons, but because he had to placate the capitalist movement in the North. Yeah, but it and just kind of like spurs a, con- it spurs a conversation. Like, I know that politicians, like, are it's very easy to see, to feel like they're doing everything to further their career in politics but if there were people in the north who um who didn't want slaves who were in that same boat like couldn't it 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 could also be possible that he uh abraham lincoln like yes that is an ulterior motive and that's like something that is kind of believable but also it's not unbelievable that uh abraham lincoln uh, felt things for these for these people who were being oppressed and kind of was like just more of a progressive soul and had this empathy about him and stuff I like hope that. so yeah like that's definitely a hope but also and it is believable like what you're saying is just like oh if it like if, if you do really believe that all politicians are completely figureheads yeah. that are total puppets that are just mm-hmm. boarding the keeping the wealth in the At hands of a that few. point in time though i don't really think that very many people had the op- like especially now like now no one votes like how many people were really voting well you at couldn't that point? vote women couldn't vote i know women couldn't vote and, and, and like how many black people, people were exactly it's of a vote like so what? who were the people who are really voting like were you really puppets of this this mass people like but also people who are incarcerated can't vote Exactly. And, and that's uh, racist and systematic. Who gets mm-hmm. to vote? So you have to have money to vote? Do you have to be a landholder to vote? Originally, you had to be a landholder. And what if you aren't? What if you're a woman and you're not allowed to hold land? What if you're a witch? And what if your dad gave you land and you didn't get married because of whatever reason and then they crucify you as a I witch? I mean, yeah. Because they, they want to mm-hmm. steal your land. That's what they were doing in the 1500s and 1600s and fucking... In England, they all the women that had any volition of their own without a man, they were a witch. And what did you do? They couldn't have anything. And then they just kill them. And you take whatever they had. And wow. I don't know. It's like, mm-hmm. are we going to move into the future and see people as people? When is a person a person? When is someone who lives in Malaysia good enough that they don't make 10 cents on the dollar? When does it mean that, oh, you're making, like, so... For example, like old navy jeans, like where are they made? Malaysia and Kuala Lumpur and all these places. And people are paid nothing. And they have real skills. When you sew pants, sewing is a real skill. 
So we're just not paying those people because they live in another country? What, because they're not good enough? Like, because only Americans get to have this lifestyle or only Chinese people? Or who do we decide that gets to have a roof over their head and and not have to poop into a ditch? Like, when Mm -hmm. do we decide that we can facilitate everyone's needs? Yeah. That, that's really hard. Um, I peed on like, the I, last night. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, yeah, it. definitely. Like, <laughs> oh, like you got to sometimes. I, I've been peeing in public a lot more lately uh, because I'm tired of waiting. Well, COVID has closed all the bathrooms. You go to a fucking uh, gas station and you can't use the restroom. Like, no one lets you use the potty because, oh, the COVID and the stuff. And so we just keep getting yeah. more and more distanced. And who gets to use a toilet? Who's good enough? It's just like, it Who's is really scary is to me. Enough? I just, like, honestly, ideally, if I wasn't bored as shit and fucking tired as fuck of being inside, I just would ideally want to be, like, ideally, okay. I ideally would want to be a cast member on Love Island. I don't know what this is. Love Island, they are in a quarantine bubble in Las Vegas. Oh, goodness. Drinking cocktails Mm. and fucking bitches, Mm. dude. And like being filmed for reality TV and having drama. Like that is fine with me. I wouldn't get sick. No one would be going out. Like that's my ideal. Like I want to have Big fun. Brother. You want to be on Big Brother. I want to be on Big Brother. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I want. That's Yeah. Big Brother. Quarantine before quarantine. They were like, "Oh, no, you're quarantined." It was like, "I can't handle it." There are so many yeah, videos yeah, yeah. of people having to tell the people on Big Brother that they were in quarantine. Like they were like well, um, uh, I understand that you guys have been here for two weeks and don't know anything about the news, but the news is that everyone's dying and everything's locked down. And you know how you thought you were going to be here for three weeks? I think you might be here for 10 months. <gasps> you know, like that kind of... What's in the refrigerator? That's yeah. the thing. Is like, at Big Brother, I want to get into that refrigerator. I would never get kicked off any of those shows because I love cooking so much. Oh, yeah. And nobody, they'd be like, oh, mm -hmm. we can't get rid of Pam. Mm -hmm. She's cooking all the good meals. She's working with the sap. How'd she find the saffron? What even is that? She smuggled it in. How did that happen? Yeah. I'm in. Are you, is everything going to be okay? You checking it out? I keep, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just, every once in a while. I know. Somebody Uh, film us here. Eight, four HD, it's going to be like Muni Radio uh, reality uh, TV show. Yeah, we are currently in the midst of just the most Flava Flav shit I've ever... Like, it's like, who wrote this? Who I don't want this. It? Who wrote it? Oh, I'm Who in. wrote this? Who wrote it? Because <laughs> it's like, honestly, I know I'm the queen of the universe, as I said before, but like, I didn't write this story. I don't want this. Uh, no, you're, you're, you're a feminist queen. I love you. I, I, yeah. I think you're so funny and original and wonderful. And I'm so glad that you're here and hanging out at Mutiny Radio. Bella but Dillon, men everyone. suck. Well, they do sometimes. I honestly think that they're just babies. They're big old babies, and honestly, that's why I was like, that's why I was not really into at first dating someone who was younger than me, because I was like, 
I already hate men who are older than me. <laughs> like, they already act like fucking children. Like, True. what am I going to do with a man who's younger than me? Yeah. yeah. Well, <sighs> it is impossible to curb anyone's behavior, but sometimes you have to put your foot down. And even oh, if they I don't understand did. at the time.